Brothers and sisters, up at Mundelein Seminary, every once in a while, the seminarians want to cook their own dinner. And now we have a fully stocked cafeteria and refectory, so they don't need to do very much grocery shopping, especially when it comes to those early months of the semester. The weather's still warm, the sun is out. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Let's just don't pretend that it's August right now, huh? It's certainly warming up enough to be. And in those summer months, the cafeteria will provide a big old sleeve of hamburger patties. The seminarians can grill. And we were gathered together as a, as a floor. All the, the seminarians who live on the same floor as I do gathered together for a little cookout at the beginning of the school year. We had those, all those hamburger patties, had the buns, we had the diced onion, we had pickle relish, we had the ketchup and tomato, uh, we had the lettuce, and we had a little mustard, we had everything that you could have wanted. Now, the seminarians had to get things busy, so you know that what that means for me. Father had to be the one to actually start the cooking. So I grab a couple hamburger patties, and I've got them on the grill, and they're going, and I start serving them to the seminarians. They get everything done. And one guy, Ethan, takes a bite of his hamburger, and he looks really thoughtful as he's chewing on it. And he says, hey, Father, I'll, I'll cook the next batch. <laughs> and I said, oh, Ethan, great. That'd be wonderful. That way I, you know, I can take a little break. Sure, you go right ahead. So, <clears throat> at that point, I haven't had a burger yet, so I, I have one of the ones that I've eaten, and I take a couple bites of it, and I'm like, wow, this is, it, it's, it's not burnt, there's, uh, there's just something not quite right about it. And then Ethan's round comes off the grill, and serves it up, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm still a little hungry, I'll, I'll have another burger. And I bite into this burger, and I tell you what, just the flavor of it explodes in my mouth. And there's a, there's a richness and a juiciness to it that I hadn't come across in the other burgers that I had cooked. And so I, I go to Ethan and I said, what, what did you do? And he looked at me and with all the charity in his heart that he could muster, he said, Father, you have to salt the patties. Because I had thought they would be good right out of the sleeve, just to throw right on the grill. But of course, Ethan was right. You have to salt those patties before you grill them. Otherwise, it's more like a charcoal briquette than a burger. But so it is with salt. Without adding even just a little bit to something. Even something as, as delightful as a hamburger should be, just fails to be fully itself. The goodness of it, the savor, the flavor of it doesn't come out. It's amazing when you watch cooking videos just how free those professional chefs are with salt, salting the water for the pasta, rubbing down their steaks with salt, adding and sprinkling salt even onto their desserts, just a little bit of finishing salt on those caramels or those nice chocolates. Salt brings out the flavor of food. It doesn't exist for itself. No one's taking a big old spoonful of salt and chowing down on it at dinner. Ugh, no. Send that person to the doctor because something's wrong there. But that salt, which brings out that goodness, allows us to savor what's inherent in that food. 
It's not enough for it just to be sprinkled on top. I could not have saved my burgers just by shaking a little bit of salt on the cooked patty. That, that would have helped, but it wouldn't have nearly been as rich an experience. That salt needed to be added before it was cooked, so the milk meat was grilled with it. So too with any dish. We can add salt to it later, but if the right amount of salt is added from the beginning, it's perfect. It doesn't need anything else because that salt has been allowed to mix in with all those flavors and draw out that savory goodness. It needs that deep contact with food in order to do its work. Now, light is similar. Light brings out the color of things. When I got here to the church this morning, it was just a little dim. We had the, the lights on low as we were gathering together. And in those dim circumstances, sometimes it's hard to make out how people who are all the way at the front of the church or maybe down even at the end of the pew. When the lights come on, the color comes into the room. Without that light, all of our beautiful stained glass windows would be just these gray, muddled messes. The vibrant blues behind the gospel writers wouldn't pop as much. The light doesn't exist for itself. In these February days, we long for sunshine, not because we want to stare into the sun, but because everything is so gray and flat without it, so cheerless without color. We crave sunshine because we want to see that good nature of things around us. And the light brings out that color by shining on everything. If for Mass, we don't want just a spotlight on the altar. We want to see the people around us as well. When we're outside, we don't want just a single ray of sunshine to light up one little flower while the rest of the world is gray. We want that light to be everywhere so that we can see everything to enjoy the color in everything salt needs that deep contact with food light is meant to shine everywhere we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world says the lord See, the disciples of christ are meant to be the salt of the earth because we're meant to have deep contact with human life. What we bring forward from our life in Christ, love, patience, generosity, forgiveness, these things cannot simply be sprinkled on the top, added as an afterthought. These must be ingredients in life. There from the very beginning in deep contact with human life to bring out the goodness of our world. Without it, things taste bland and unappealing. Followers of Jesus are likewise called to shine everywhere, not to intensely focus our light like a spotlight, but rather to shine brightly so the color of everything around us might be brought out, that we might be able to see clearly. So here at St. Peter's, yes, of course, we shine our light, but when we go into Woods Hall, there too, of course, whether eating donuts or giving blood. But yes, even out in the parking lot, 
Our light is meant to shine, to show that patience to the fellow who doesn't see us as he's backing out of his spot. At home or at work, with family or friends, whether in public office or in the private sector, whether online or face-to-face, our light is meant for the world. All of those places have a color, have a richness that can only be brought out when we bring that light of love, that light of Christ, to shine on those things. Jesus calls us to be salt and light, to draw out the goodness in life and light it up for all to see. We can start today to live this vocation, perhaps by picking up the phone and calling that person with whom there are many hurts and wounds and we can make an offer of reconciliation. Perhaps we can be salts and light by opening our wallets to those in need. <clears throat> that however much that we may struggle in these days, we know there are those who suffer, want, and go hungry. Perhaps we can be salt and light by advocating for those whose lives feel very gray and bland, featureless and flavorless, the orphaned unborn, the neglected elderly, the homeless immigrant. We are called to have deep contact with life and to shine everywhere. We are the savor of God's love for the world. We are the light that reveals divine glory. We are sent by God to transform what is bland and gray into flavor and color.